we're going to talk from the title, From Darkness to Light. I want you to turn in your Bible, please, to Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. In Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, we have a tremendous uh, prophetic word that God had given to the prophet Isaiah. And uh, just impressed to, to go this way today, so... We're looking at Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, beginning at verse 1, and let's read down to verse 7. Let's begin to read. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I the Lord have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Amen. Amen. And I know we were reading, I was reading from the King James, and many of you had the King, the new King James, and I realized that after we started reading, I said, whoa, well, okay. <laughs> yes. So the wording is a little different, but the thought and the essence of it is the same. Mm -hmm. And the key is that this is a reference to the Messiah. This is a reference to the anointed one that is coming. So we know that that's referring to who? Jesus. And it's important to understand that in light of this, it's telling us that God will be sending the one that he refers to as his servant. And the fact that not only Will he be coming for Israel or for Jacob? But also, he would be coming as a light to the Gentiles. And he would give him as a covenant of the people. That's an awesome thing. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, will hold your hand, will keep you, and give you a covenant of the people, give you for a covenant of the people, and for a light to the Gentiles. Isn't that something? Yes. 
So he's already, God is already foretelling us that when Jesus shows up, that he's going to be called in righteousness. And we know he did that. But not only that, God would hold his hand and would keep him, would preserve him. How many times did the Jews and the religious leaders at that time try to kill him? Too many times. The scripture, I'm sure, only gives a few instances. But I mean, when they get ready to take you to a precipice on the mountain and throw you off, and you can pass through the mist, that's being kept. Because you can imagine if a crowd of people, because I'm sure it wasn't two of them saying, okay, Jesus, come on here. Well, I'm going to take you right up here to the corner of this and I'm going to throw you off. I'm sure all those religious leaders from the temple and everybody and their brother had a crowd that is one man. Can you imagine seeing them bringing him to this mountain and getting to the point of getting ready to throw him off? And he passed, I like that, he passes through the mist. I don't know how he passed through the mist. And I don't know if somebody else went off the side of the cliff or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thinking they got him, and all of a sudden they do one of these numbers. And they go over. But the point is that God kept him in the midst of that. And then said, and give him to be a covenant for the people. So we know that through Christ we have this better covenant. And said, for a light of the Gentiles. Now you've got to understand that as far as God is concerned and what the scriptures let us know, that you have three categories of people in the New Testament. They are Jews, Gentiles and the church. You get it? Yeah. Jews, Gentiles, and everybody else. And the church. And the key is the church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. So everybody got the picture? Okay. Uh, but here we see how God is foretelling that this will take place. If you go over to Isaiah, the 49th chapter, a similar, a similar word is being put forth in Isaiah, the 49th chapter, as we found right here in Isaiah 42. And we're just going to pick up uh, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 9. And this is out of New King Trans. New King James translation. So if you got that, you can read it with me. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 6, 8, and 9. Let's read. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, 
that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Verse 8. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritage, that you may say to the prisoners, Go forth, to those who are in darkness, Show yourselves. Notice what it says. They shall, oh, we'll go and read the rest. They shall feed along the roads, and their pastures shall be on desolate heights. But notice it said in verse 6 at the end, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Lord have mercy. It gives you the indication, and I, I want to go to it because I highlighted some other some other passages in Isaiah 51. Go over to 51 for me. Isaiah 51. We see here in 49 we saw where the uh, Jesus or that Messiah would be my salvation, would be God's salvation to the ends of the earth. Right? You got it? Yes. But look over at 51. And let's just go over to verse 8. And it says, For the moth will eat them up like a garment. Well, let's go back. I won't go back. Go back to verse 6. I highlighted some things in the middle here. Let's start at verse 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath for the heavens will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Now you know that's a heavy that's a heavy statement God's made. He mentions the fact that the earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. Do you know understand what he's saying? Just like the earth is growing old, man is going to grow old and pass off the sea. But he makes a statement. But my salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will not be abolished. So you know what that's saying? It doesn't matter what laws are passed. It doesn't matter what man says is acceptable. Did you understand what I'm saying? It really doesn't matter. Because God has already pronounced that his righteousness will not be abolished. So what does that say? That's letting us know you can go by the law of the land or you can go by the command of God. 
and you tell me which one takes precedent. When the rubber meets the road, the one that takes precedent is the commands of God. You can get over, I mean, you can say, well, the law says, the law says I can do pretty much whatever I want. Because if I get the right attorneys, they're going to fight my case. And there'll be reasonable cause. Because right. everybody puts in their language, you know, the legal language. Right. Reasonable cause or reasonable this, that, and the other. What does that mean? That means you can pay somebody to make that sound like it's reasonable. Right. Which means that then it's acceptable. Right. But God says, my righteousness will not be abolished. My salvation will be forever. From generation to generation. And as long as we are part of a generation, we cover. Does that make sense? And then if we go over to Luke, the second chapter, we're going to see where this was confirmed by Simeon when they brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated to to the Lord. In Luke, the second chapter, and I know you have been going through this morning, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So we're at Luke. Luke the second chapter. In Luke the second chapter, go down with me please to verse 25. Luke 2.25. And there it begins to read, let's read. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, To do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Isn't that awesome? So a confirming event took place after Jesus was born and they were bringing him to the temple and this man Simeon comes in being led by the Holy Spirit and began to utter Lord, because the Lord had told him he wasn't going to die until he saw the consolation of Israel. And he went in and recognized that this was him and said, Lord, now you you can let me go. Let me depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Wow. My eyes have seen your salvation. Remember that said before in Isaiah? God said, my salvation will be forever. Which you have prepared before the face of what? All peoples. 
Lord, and from generation to generation, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Wow. Let's go on and look at Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. I don't believe we're going to be very long today, but I want you to see this. Acts chapter 26. And this is the account of Paul when he's giving a testimony to King Agrippa. When Paul is recounting what happened on this road to Damascus. Damascus. you know, Paul was a persecutor of the Christians. He was had great zeal to do that. But let's look at verse 9, beginning in Acts chapter 26. And, uh, okay, I'll find it in the New King James so we can read it together. Let's begin reading at verse 9. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Now you're talking about a man who was bent on doing what he was doing. Paul, or Saul as he was known at the time, was bent, and you can see by the description here, to persecute those who were, quote, in the way. Yes. Then he goes on in verse 12 and he says, While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, come on. Now, now look at this. Check this out. He was on his way to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. God said, my righteousness will never be abolished. I don't care if the chief priest gives some edicts. Did you hear that? Because they can be giving you some edicts that did not come from me. Just like there can be some prophets who be prophesying some lies. Like the prophets told Israel, peace, peace. You know, ain't nothing going to happen to y'all. Peace, peace. And the Lord said, you lie. You dream that stuff up. Because I'm bringing judgment. Now who going to win out? Or he told them in another version in Isaiah, he says, you all have set up a covenant with a lie. And you think that when the flood comes, because you are in covenant with a lie, you think you're going to be saved from the flood. But you're going to get washed away. 
In other words, man thinks because sometimes, knowingly or unknowingly, we set up a covenant with the devil. And think we're going to be okay. When the rubber meets the road, we think we're going to be all right. You know, we're going to be saved because we got this covenant with the devil. And since he's the one who's the accuser of the brethren, since he's the one who's got this little uh, thing going on on the planet, we think we're in good stead. And God says, no, my righteousness will never be abolished. My salvation will be forever. And if you're on the wrong team, you're going to find out. Because you can either be on my team, God says, or the other team. And I can tell you who's going to win. But it's your choice. You want to stay on your team? Stay on. But look at what he told Paul or Saul at the time. Saul's recounting and he says, While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, let's continue to read together. Along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Isn't that awesome? Notice it says that I'm sending you not only to the Jewish people, but to the Gentiles, to whom I now send you. And why is he sending them? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Wow. So the word that Saul had, the message that he was giving, had the power to turn men from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. And you know what? That word never lost its power. That word today still has contained in it the power to turn one from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. 
That's an awesome thing, y'all. And God is the one who commissioned Saul to do it. God is the one who prophesied before that my salvation will come. In other words, God is on man's side. Does that make sense? God is on man's side. (coughs) It's man that has rebelled. It's man that's gone to the other side. Let me give an illustration. We happen to live in the USA. Now, if our Olympic team went over to London and they were part of the U.S. team, the U.S. team is going as a representative of what? The USA. So, therefore, everything that team needs should be provided by who? The USA. Not only that, but any regulations that the USA tells those players that they, or the team members that they're supposed to observe, they're what? They're held accountable for what? Observing it. Now they can get over there and somebody decides, well, you know, I'm going to defect. Because I really always wanted to go to France. So I'm going to go to the camp where French people are. And I'm going to find out how I can become a citizen of France. So you go over there and you defect. Now, the U.S. says, look, you, we sent you there. We paid for your trip. We paid for your lodging. We paid for your food, your equipment and everything. What is the problem? Well, you know, I just decided that I wanted to be a Frenchman. Why? Are you getting the analogy? God created you. God formed you. God provided you with salvation. And you decided... Satan, I like your game plan better. And God says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a way that I can turn you from darkness to light. From the power of Satan back to me. And all you have to do is receive it. Believe it and receive it. And you know what we do? Well, you know, I ain't ready yet. Mm. I ain't ready. What you, what you mean you ain't ready? I ain't ready. You mean I got to give up all the stuff I'm doing? What you doing? Well, you know, I, I got to, I got to uh, make that data. You know, I got to sell some grass. I got to, you know, do what I got to do. 
You ain't got nothing to do. Do you know that? You ain't got nothing to do. What you doing don't amount to nothing. But I got to do this thing. For who? Stop being foolish. That's right. But you you don't know. You know. Man, you don't understand. I just got it in my mind. I can't say it. I guess it's not right to say it. <laughs> you ain't got a pot to. And here I am telling you about eternal life. And you talking about some old dumb stuff. Well, you know, man, I got to look smooth in front of my friends. They're going to hell. You going there too? Because the one you serving, the one you serving already got judgment written on his forehead. He just playing out a lease. If you read the book, it says that a time will come when one angel will chain him. One angel will chain him for what? A thousand years. Now, if he was that bad, should, first of all, you have a whole legion of angels trying to catch him. One angel will change the joker for a thousand years. And he's going to be your leader? Come on. Get real. Does that make... You understand what I'm saying? And we found out earlier, he went crazy. He was an anointed cherub that covered which implies that he had dominion. And he decided, I'm going to ascend above the clouds. I'm going to tell God, move over. You know he crazy. He's a created being. It said in, in Ezekiel 28, the multitude of his merchandise went to his head. He was created perfect in beauty, full of wisdom. He was fine, y'all. Can you imagine? And they believed that they believed that he was the one leading the praises to God. But you know what happened? Just get the picture for a minute. I know this is a loose translation, Lewis translation, but just get a picture for a moment. This joker was fine. Look outrageous. You know what I'm saying? Get out. Be jeweled. Can you imagine? And whatever the spirits were at that time and whatever they were just saying, Lucifer, man, you are do you know you the light being? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lucifer, you bling bling. You understand what I'm saying? Man? Yeah. Talking about bedazzle. <laughs> Nobody had anything on him. Can you imagine that? And just you know, and when he opened his mouth, it was like Luther. Woo! <laughs> you know what I said? It's like Luther. Lord have mercy. And after a while, he started looking in the mirror. I know I'm fine. 
I know I'm wise. You know what? It's time to step on up, y'all. Let's go to the next level. Now, the next level is God's. So, you know, he shows up, and Jesus gave the postscript over in Luke when he says, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. Now, can you imagine, you, you know, all these lightning storms we had? If you do one of these numbers, you missed it. You just blink. And you missed it. I don't know how long it took him to get there. But I know his exit was in a moment. Boop, he was out. You understand what I'm saying? So he is a what? Defeated foe. So he's already on the losing side. You understand what I'm saying? His team has lost. And the unfortunate thing is that man hadn't come to realize that. So what does he do? He still plays games. He's offering you stuff that he thinks you will be enticed by. You understand what I'm saying? That's his game plan. He don't have nothing new. He's going to offer you something that God says you shouldn't have. You understand what I'm saying? So if God says you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z, you can best be believed that Lucifer going to dress up X, Y, and Z and make it so appealing to you that you say, well, you know, I know I ain't supposed to have it. But, you know, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try it. You know, just try this one joint. I, 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 you know, I ain't going to get hooked. I ain't gonna get hooked. No, no, no. Just one drink. I ain't gonna, you know, I just gonna taste it. Just gonna taste it. Only took one. And now, 30 years later, you still taking the one. Just one. You understand what I'm saying? How he will trap you. But God. If you make a decision that I want out, Jesus took the keys of death and hell, which means Satan no longer has the keys to his residence. Think about it. When Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. And said, upon this rock, upon thy profession you made, Peter, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And somebody may have thought, well, that means we've got to storm the gates. No. Because it told us later, Jesus took the keys of death and hell. So he can't lock the gates. Get the picture, y'all. That's why the enemy of man 
is doing all kinds of deceiving tricks to keep you away from the gate. Because he knows really all you got to do is push him open and walk out. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. You think I got to I got to pray fast. Oh God, help me out of here. Oh God, help me out of here. You know, send somebody my way. Did you ever go to the gate? Oh no. Every time I try to get to the gate, there's a little deception that comes in my way, you know. They tell me, "You can't get there. You no, you can't go this way. Go over there. You can't go." Have you ever stopped and said, look, I'm going through the gate. I made a decision today. I'm going through the gate. Mm -hmm. And you walk toward the gate. And all of a sudden, the little imps who were trying to keep you, they out of your way. And you get to the gate. And you just push it. And it opens. And you say, you mean all this time. I've been sitting in here and I could have been out there. How foolish have I been? Did you understand what I'm saying? But you know what that also means? If the gate opens from the inside, it also opens from the outside. And that's why Jude says, snatch them from the fire. When was the last time you went into the gates and told somebody, man, look, I want you to know that you can walk out of this situation. You can be set free. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I mean, you don't know how long I've been here. You don't know how I've been dealing with this. It doesn't matter. You can be set free. Well, how do you know that? Because I used to be in the gates. I used to be in the gates. Well, what did you do? I believe in the salvation of my God. <coughs> That's how I did it. I believed in the Word of God. And I made a decision. Father, I want to do it your way. And he says, you know what? I'll give you the comforter. I'll give you a helper. My spirit. Who will lead you into all truth. Who will teach you all things. I'll give you angels. Who will be your ministering spirits. That when you are operating in foolishness, they'll keep you. Then I'll put you in the body of believers who you can socialize with. Who will be there to encourage you in your walk. Come on, y'all. Not only that, I'll give you an opportunity to talk to me. They call it prayer. We can have dialogue. Anytime. Doesn't matter what time of day it is or what time of night. 
you never get voicemail. You never get sent to voicemail. You always get through. Isn't that something? From darkness to light. The choice is yours. Amen. 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 Amen.